0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Today we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, and so I want to talk about that a little bit. Imagine that, a preacher wanting to talk about resurrection on Easter Sunday. Who'd have thought, right? But I want to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and just give us a little background on this. Some of you probably know the story, but I want to read this this morning so we're all on the same page. If you want to follow along, you can do so on the screens right behind me. Also, if you have a smartphone or smart device and you have the Version Bible app, we make it really simple for you. Just open up that app, select the More tab right at the bottom. I know on iOS, it's at the bottom. I'm not sure on Android. iOS is what God uses, just so you know. And I've already made enemies this morning. Hey. Amen. <laughs> They're like, apples from the devil. I know, but I love it. Anyway, so go to Uversion app, select the More tab. I think it's at the bottom. When you see Events, click on Events. And then you should see right at the top, Face City, Michigan campus. Now, if you click that, it opens right up. We put all the notes in there so you can follow along the scripture verses. And you can add your own notes to it and even save it to look over later. So I encourage you to do that. But I am going to look in Luke chapter 24 this morning. And starting with verse 1, it says, Very early on Sunday morning... The woman went to the tomb carrying the spices they had prepared. Verse 2 They found the stone rolled away from the entrance to the tomb, so they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They stood there puzzled about this when suddenly two men in bright, shining clothes stood by them. Full of fear, the woman bowed down to the ground as the men said to them, Listen to this. Why are you looking among the dead for one who is alive? Verse 6 He is not here, he has been raised. Remember what he said to you while he was in Galilee. The Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and three days later rise to life. So Jesus had actually predicted that this would happen. Verse 8 Then the woman remembered the words, returned from the tomb, look at this, and told all these things to the eleven disciples and all the rest. The women were Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James. They and the other women with them told these things to the apostles, and look how excited they were. But the apostles thought that what the woman said was nonsense and they did not believe them. How exciting is that? The Lord's not there, he has risen. Uh, I don't think so. We saw him die, we saw him go into a tomb. But look at this. Peter got up, ran to the tomb, he bent down, saw the grave clothes, but nothing else. Say nothing else. Then he went back home, amazed at what had happened. First off, not even part of my notes, I think it's interesting that the the first people to proclaim the resurrection were women. Come on, I know it's not Mother's Day, but get a little excited. But in this patriarchal society, writing this story, if you really wanted to have some clout, if you really wanted to have some traction, you would say a man saw that Jesus had risen. But they said women, woman, which almost undermines the very fact because in this patriarchal society, it was all about the men, not the women. You know what's really cool? Jesus loved men and women. Do you know Jesus had women disciples? Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. May is Mother's Day. I got some good stuff, ladies. So come back Mother's Day because I want to empower you. See, the church for years has tried to push women down. And Jesus tried to lift women up to where they belong. Can I get one amen from the ladies this morning? And so it's important we see this. We've twisted scriptures to push women down, to make them submit. And I'm telling you, it's wrong. It's demonic. Okay? Women are just as qualified as men. Enough said about that. We're back to the resurrection this morning. So in the past, around this time, maybe you've come to a service. You've attended a church service like this. You've heard a sermon or even maybe just even you've had some ham or an Easter egg hunt because that's what Jesus did in the Bible right Jesus loved ham okay that was a joke Jesus was Jewish if you weren't aware some people think he was white with blonde hair blue eyes he wore a white robe and a blue sash but he was actually Middle Eastern and he was a Jew and guess what they didn't do the swine meat thank God I live in the New Testament days because how many love some bacon give me one amen you always get amens on bacon because you can wrap it in anything right Amen. Culturally, we're all aware of the celebration that I like to call Resurrection Day. And so really, there's, there's two ways that we can look at this. Whenever you hear about Resurrection Day, it often leads to two different things. For some people, they've heard a message about Jesus dying on a cross for your sins, so when you die, you can go to heaven someday. And I think that's a beautiful story. Some of us have believed that story, and because we do, we have hope in the future, I believe that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing that I have, knowing that my future is with him. I've not been to heaven yet. Is anyone here? Good. It means you're alive. That's good. And so we don't know what that is and what that's about. I just know that I'm going to be with my maker, with, with the divine, with the creator, with the source of all energy who lives and moves in all of us. I know that I'll return to him, however that is. But for others of us, maybe we've heard about this man named Jesus who had raised on the third day, and we think, seriously? I mean, can we just, can we stick with the Easter eggs and the ham and get over these myths and fables that people believe? I mean, come on, we're in 2019 now. And I completely understand that. We have, you know, people on one side who believe this story of Jesus. We believe he died for our sins, and it's all about heaven. And I believe that's part of the equation, but there's so much more to resurrection. And then we have others who would say, I don't believe in a bodily resurrection, And I'd like to say this, today is for all of us. Because I believe that resurrection applies to all of us. I believe that we all can be moved into a new life of living resurrection. And for some, it's the same story. They've heard every year, and for others, it's this crazy, unbelievable resurrection story. But I want to talk about this today. I want to talk about resurrection. And even further, I want to talk about how that applies to our lives here and now. Because it's one thing to just celebrate one day a year, this resurrection. It's another to live it every day. Does that make sense? And so first, a little bit of history about where this idea came from and why we're still talking about it thousands of years later. So 2,000 years ago, the world was ruled by the Roman Empire. How many know this? They were a massive military social giant. They were a beast. They were a machine. They were the biggest empire the world had ever known up until this point. It actually went from England all the way to India. They were a machine. Now, let me take that back. They were the machine. And they crushed anybody who got in their way. Now, the empire was ran by the Caesars. Now, they believed that they were the sons of God who had been sent to the earth to bring about a universal reign of peace and prosperity. This is what they felt. And one of the the main Caesar propaganda lines was this, there's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than that of Caesar. Another famous slogan was, Caesar is Lord. Interesting, huh? Basically, this military machine would march into your province and say, now listen, You need to confess Caesar as Lord. They showed up at your doorstep. There would be a soldier, or we could even call them sometimes apostles. How many heard that word before? That wasn't a church term. Apostle was a representative. They would come to the city and say, uh, just for your information, we have arrived. And right now, you have two choices. You can confess Caesar as Lord or not. Now, if you confess Caesar as Lord, I mean, some great things could happen. You'd become part of the Roman Empire. And even better, you get to pay taxes now. Come on, someone. And so you're part of Rome and you pay the taxes, and then those taxes would go into Rome, the Caesar would use it to build a bigger army and then conquer more land. So they come into your province, they say, Confess Caesar's Lord. You say yes, they get taxes, they use the taxes, build a bigger army. Sounds like empire, right? And they would conquer land after land after land. Now your second choice could be, you know what, I'm not really into the Caesar thing. Or maybe, hey, Caesar, tell me you can go fly a kite. And Caesar would go, what is a kite? But you're defying me. Now if you defied Caesar or Rome, they would say, oh, okay, you're one of those people. And they would do this really sweet thing for you. They would take your body and they hang you on a stake. How many of have heard of a cross? Crucifixion was a horrible way to go. But if you defied Caesar, they would set up a cross somewhere near the city where people could see and make a spectacle of you and they would put you on this cross. Now, we believe through history that this idea of crucifixion originated with the Assyrians and the Babylonians. It was used systematically by the Persians, but get this, Rome perfected it. They were known, among other things, as the ones who perfected crucifixion. Listen to this. They mastered the art of keeping people in the most amount of pain without dying. Think about that. What could we do so that they can experience the most amount of human sorrow, anguish, and pain and live to feel every moment? They mastered it. They perfected it. Crucifixion was considered to be one of the most brutal and shameful modes of death. And they would do this as a spectacle for all the town to see. This is what happens if you don't submit to Caesar. This is what happens if you defy the empire. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everyone. You're like, does it get better than this? Because you're really dragging us down. I want us to get a picture of how this was. I mean, Rome didn't play around. In history, it actually, uh, they they say that there was was two occasions. One was up to 2,000. One was up to 3,000 people crucified in one place in one day. So you can experience pain beyond belief, but stay alive to experience it for as long as possible. They perfected this. But the story gets better because 2,000 years ago, something else was birthing. Something was growing within this Roman Empire, this little corner of the Roman Empire. There was this group of people who were insisting that their leader, their rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth had been crucified by the Roman Empire. But get this, he had risen from the dead. Do you see the implications of what they were saying? They were saying, Jesus is more powerful than Caesar. No matter what you believe, Jesus is more powerful than Caesar. This is what they were saying. Not only that, they didn't stop there. They also took the Roman military propaganda and used it for their own purposes. They would say things like this. There is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than that of Jesus they would say things like this, Jesus is Lord. You follow this train of thought. See, we can say Jesus is Lord. There is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved but Jesus, and we're like, hallelujah, brother. That's so good. And then we go off and we have our ham and we do our Easter egg hunt. But in this time, when you would say Jesus is Lord, you were defying the Roman Empire. You were saying, no, Caesar isn't Lord Jesus is Lord. This was a loaded statement. This was subversive. And how many know that when you defy Rome, you die? Do you see the gravity of this? And so you had this small section of people who would proclaim Jesus is Lord. Now, these followers of Jesus would have gatherings, and they would call them agape feasts. The word agape in the Greek means love. Uh, You know, in the English language, we have one word for love, and it's love. Love. I know it's deep. I love my wife, I love hamburgers, and I love eggs and Easter egg hunts. Now let me ask you a question. Do you do you love your wife a little more than the Easter eggs? Guys, please say yes, please say yes. (laughs) Let it be a good Easter. But see, in the Greek, there's four words for love. I love the Greek and the Hebrew languages. They're so deep. There's so much meaning. But we're not going to go into all those different meanings today. But agape was a love that was sacrificial. It was self-giving, self-sacrificing love. And so they would have these love feasts, these agape feasts, and they would break bread and they would drink wine together, symbolizing the death and the resurrection of their leader, Jesus. Now, just some food for thought, no pun intended, the Caesars would often come into a place and they would give out bread freely. Now, you've got to understand in this time, it wasn't like now. You, you couldn't go down to VG's or Walmart or wherever and, and just get a loaf of bread, let alone gluten-free, right? Some of you are like, it's got to be gluten-free. It's got to be gluten-free. I saw this comic. It was these two sharks underwater. And he has a ketogenic diet thing. And he's looking up at this guy like this and he says, I think it's okay as long as we don't eat the buns. thought that was funny. Not very spiritual, but pretty funny, right? (laughs) But the Caesar would come in and he would give bread away. In other words, what he was saying is, see, I provide for you. In this time, people were not only hungry, many were starving. The taxation was so heavy that people could barely live, and people were starving. That's why I believe that the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 was more than, hey, guys, I'll give you a little sack lunch. It was like, we're starving, Jesus. We're following you. You have something that no one else offers. And Jesus saw an opportunity to give bread. It was subversive. It was making a political statement. we got to see this. Jesus was giving what only the Caesar could give, and Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh look at my kingdom and what I can do. And so they would break bread and they would drink wine, part of the Jewish tradition, and they would remember Jesus. I think it's important to see this. Essentially, the early Christians were saying, Jesus provides for us, not Caesar. We are his body and he works and lives and moves through us and we help each other out. They were saying, Jesus is Lord, Which was a very subversive and dangerous statement because everyone knew that Caesar is Lord. And if you defy Caesar, you die. That's how their world worked. You follow me so far? Remember, the Caesars believed that they were the sons of God who had been sent to this earth to bring about this universal reign of peace and prosperity. And I'd have to say, well, I guess, but that depends on what side of the sword that you're on. Because it was a forced peace, peace through violence. And Jesus comes from a kingdom that's built on right relationship, joy, and peace. Big difference. And so we have two kings, Caesar and Jesus. Which one will you call Lord? So I want us to imagine you have a friend. And you're living back in the first century. And you have this friend who confessed Caesar as Lord. And maybe he says to you, man, look what Caesar has done. Look at the world that he is making. Isn't it amazing? And maybe he goes on to say, so what has your Jesus done other than get crucified? I mean, could you see this question? Because they're like, your Jesus was crucified. And maybe your answer would be, well, I'll tell you what why don't you come to one of our gatherings? In fact, tomorrow night we have a gathering. Just come to one of our gatherings and just check out what it is that we do. So he says, okay, I'll do that. So he comes to the gathering and he sees this table in the middle of the room and he looks around and he sees people from all different backgrounds. There's Romans and Gentiles and Jews, slaves and free men and women. This was the original Motley crew. The Molly crew of the 80s had nothing on this. These were people from all types of backgrounds and social status, men and even women, at a table where they all were equal. And they would put bread and wine in the middle of the table to remember this Jesus whose body was broken and his blood was poured out. And they brought all they had. They brought it together and they shared. In the book of Acts, it says that those who were part of the way, that's what they called it, the church there, the way. They actually sold all that they had. They brought those proceeds and laid them at the feet of the disciples and said, let's make sure that everyone is taken care of. And it says nobody in the church had want for anything. Now, I know some of us struggle with that in our capitalistic society. But see, this was a place where if you were rich, you thought, I'm blessed to be a blessing. And so as you sat at this table before you broke the bread, you may look around and say, guys, before we break the bread, is there any single moms here who need help paying their rent this month? Is there anyone here who's struggling to pay their consumer's payment? Can I get an amen? Is there any diseased or cripple here who can't even get to the market to purchase a little bit of food they need for life? What can we do to help you get there or go and purchase those goods for you and bring them back? Before we break the bread, let's remember why we're here. And then they would break the bread and they would drink the wine and they would remember Jesus, not just his death, but his resurrection. And if you ask them, why are you doing this? They would say, because Jesus is, is Lord and that there's a whole new way of being human it's different than the way the world has functioned it's different than these empires who come in through violence and they take over and they occupy and they force Jesus his kingdom it doesn't force but I'm telling you right now love always wins it will win you over if you believe it to be true So you're on your way back from this meeting and you can see this guy, the wheels are turning. He's like, okay, I've never experienced anything like this before. And so you look at him and you say, so who do you think is making a better world? Caesar or Jesus? Who's making the better world? Is the world made better through crushing military violence or is the world made better through sacrificial love? See, that's what Jesus displayed on the cross. He displayed sacrificial love. He gave us the example. No greater love is there than this, than a man lay his life down for another. That's what Jesus was showing. That's what he was reflecting. And for some of us, it may not necessarily mean that you're giving up your physical life for someone, but maybe sometimes we should put down our life and help someone else out. Because we get so caught up in the day-to-day and there's nothing wrong with having things and stuff as long as the things and stuff don't have you. Do you follow me? But it's important that we see that everyone matters. And that sometimes we need to lay our life down for our brother and sister. And some hear that and they go, oh, people that go to church no, everyone. The Apostle Paul said, in him, God, we live, move, and have our being. We are all gods in the Greek genos, which is offspring. Look at the brother or sister next to you and say, I love you. See, when we see people around the world, do we see them as Christian or unchristian? Do we see them as brothers and sisters, some who haven't uh, awakened yet to the truth of who they are and whose they are, but we love them nonetheless. It's so important that we see this. So the question is, who do you believe is Lord, Caesar or Jesus? See, I believe that the early believers thought of the resurrection as God's way of vindicating the Jesus path. See, Rome may have put Jesus to death on a stake, on a cross, but through resurrection, it was God's vindication of the path of Jesus. See, Jesus took a different way. Even when all the soldiers came to take him away, to be tried, and then eventually put on a cross, when they they came to them in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says they were standing there, and Peter drew his sword, and he went to swing at someone, and he cut off a guy's ear. And I'm waiting for Jesus to go, yeah! good job, Peter. But he didn't. It wasn't about retribution. It wasn't about getting people back. What he does is he grabs the ear and he heals him. He looks at Peter and he says, listen, Peter, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. Jesus is trying to awaken us to something. Okay. War doesn't make peace. It makes more war. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to get political. I'm just, Jesus said this, not me. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And then he tells him, he says, don't you think I can call on my father in heaven and call 12 legions of angels to rescue me? In other words, he's saying, don't you think I can be like any other Caesar or ruler of an empire and call my army to vindicate me and slaughter those who are taking advantage of me? But I say no. And so that day we committed deicide because God was in Christ Reconciling the world to himself, bringing us into favor, even if he had to die to prove it. God didn't need the death. God was in Christ reconciling the world. See, so often we've been taught this idea that God needs a death to be okay with us. Let me tell you something. Jesus came to this earth not to change God's mind about us, but to change our minds about him. He's not the angry God that you thought he was. And so Jesus operated in a completely different mode and he allowed us to kill him. He demonstrated. He says, no greater love is there than this than a man to lay his life down for another. And he lays his life down. But then the father vindicates the path of Jesus through resurrection. The path of humble, sacrificial love. A path where we don't look at how we can crush our enemies, but how can I bring help to the oppressed in the downtrodden? How can I bring change to this world through acts of love and service, not fear and war? Two kingdoms. Who is Lord, Caesar or Jesus? Do you see how much this meant to the early church? The resurrection said that all oppressive power and violent systems were just temporary because there was a power in the world greater than the oppressor, greater than the dictator. I heard someone once say this, that resurrection brought hope for anyone who had the boot of empire on their necks. I think it's important that we see what the resurrection means. See, resurrection is more than just a story of how to go to heaven when you die. It's a message of healing and hope for the here and the now. I think about the words of Jesus when he says, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus wasn't all about just taking everybody out of here and getting them to heaven. He's like, can we get a little bit of heaven into this earth? And it's interesting because Jesus said some really powerful words. He says, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In fact, it is in you. So for most of us, we need to awaken to this and then let it out. We get so caught up in our culture and what we do and our Hollywood movies of payback. Listen, I've seen my share and I'm like, yeah, they deserve it. Get them, get them. But how is it that we can live resurrection? How do we fully embody the power of resurrection? That's what we're talking about this morning. How do we do it here and now? Because for some of us, it's like, oh, I got my ticket to heaven. I'm good to go. And others are like, are you kidding me? Are we over this? But I believe all of us can look at this resurrection and say, how do I fully embody? How do I embrace the power of resurrection? The Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. He says, we were like seeds planted together in the same soil to be co quick in the life. But listen to this. If we were included in his death, we are equally, say equally, included in his what? Resurrection. We've been included, but do you believe it? Do you see yourself as new? Do you see yourself as someone who is operating according to this new way of the kingdom of God? So what does it look like to live this resurrected life? I just wanna touch on that for just a minute this morning because when we go out of here, I don't want it to just be, oh, that was really great. Jesus rose from the dead, great story, great myth, however you look at it, but uh, again, I need my ham and I, I gotta get my Easter egg on. I want us to walk out of here and go, hmm, maybe there's something to this. Maybe, just maybe, I can live this resurrected life. So when someone wrongs you, when they betray you, when they act violently towards you, verbally or physically, everything within us wants to get revenge. I don't know about you, but I've been there. Has anyone ever wronged you or said something like... I'm going to get them back. I'm going to show them. Just look at Facebook for like two minutes and then get the heck out of there because man, the stuff that goes on is so toxic because everyone's like, no, I'm right and I'm going to prove it and I'm going to tell you and I'm going to prove them and I'm going to vindicate myself because I have to get revenge. I have to get back. And that's why most of the time I stay off it and I choose to, to not jump in ditches yelling at each other about our way. Democrat, Republican, gay, straight. It's like, just stop with the nonsense. We're human beings. We're all on the path, the kingdom of God, okay? Let God minister and deal with people where they are. But can't we just sit and hear a conversation or a story or empathize with anybody? But we always wanna be right. And we wanna get people back because they, they got under our skin and they said something that wasn't true. And so we look for vindication. Every fiber in your being desires revenge because that's what we've been programmed to think. But when we do this, when we live a life of retribution, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know what we do? We keep the violence in circulation. And Jesus is saying, there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a way of peace and joy. And I know that's tough, because we were raised in America. Listen, I love America. Okay. I'm blessed to be here. Such great freedom. But sometimes we make American flags and anthems more important than people. You follow me? I think Jesus would say it's about all nations. I mean, look at the table. Jews, Greeks, Romans, men, women, free, slave, doesn't matter. I want us to see this. The kingdom is a different kingdom. It's not like the kingdoms of this world. Does that make sense? Anyone mad at me yet? You got to forgive me. (laughs) I'm not trying to step on toes. I want us to see differently. I want us to start to see what resurrection can truly mean if we begin to walk in this. So we think you did that to me. So then I will do this to you. It's this never ending vicious cycle of payback. People do this, groups do this, nations do this. But see, the story of resurrection is about a Jesus who when evil is done to him, when injustice comes his way, when he is betrayed and crucified, listen, he does not retaliate. It's awfully quiet in this non-denominational church this morning. He does not retaliate. I know some, some heads are tilting, but I've been taught all my life, I get it. But we need to see that the kingdom of God is different. When will we awaken to this and say, I'm going to choose to live resurrection life? See, Jesus doesn't keep the violence in circulation. He takes it in. He absorbs it. Not because he's weak. Not because he's passive. But because he understands that the greatest strength is the one who can absorb the pain and violence and take it out of circulation. Can you see what Jesus was saying by allowing that death on a cross? When we choose not to retaliate but to forgive, we take the violence out of circulation. I know you're struggling because you think, you don't know what that person did to me. I may not. And you know what, I want to do a series later this year on forgiveness. But first of all, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. And we forgive, sure, we're releasing that person. We're letting them off the hook, if you will. But the main person that's set free when you forgive is you. Because when we don't forgive, we keep this violence in circulation. It becomes bitterness. It becomes hatred. And you can see it in some people. Like even their faces look like they've been sucking on lemons. And I'm not making fun of people, I'm just saying it literally, like, inhabits them. But when we can release those things, when we can let those things go, it changes everything. Now, listen, how do we begin resurrected life? How do we begin to live resurrected life? Well, I believe by forgiving those who have sinned against us. Remembering remembering this, that forgiving isn't pretending that what was done to us wasn't wrong. Or sweeping it under the rug. You might be in a relationship. You need to remove yourself from that relationship, even as you forgive that person. Because forgiveness and love doesn't say, you can do anything you want to me. Does that make sense? So remove yourself from those situations, but forgive in the process. Release those people, those persons. And in, in that same time, you're releasing yourself of the anger and the bitterness and the violence. And you're taking violence out of circulation. I believe that forgiveness is the long road of bringing peace rather than violence to this world. Taking the road of forgiveness, the Jesus road of forgiveness, is us bearing the pain, but listen to this, coming out of the other side a different person. And that is called resurrection. Do you see how we can live resurrected life? See, every time that you're presented with the choice to keep the wrong keep the evil, the violence, and the betrayal in circulation, you have the opportunity to practice resurrection. And I say practice on purpose. Because none of us are going to get it right every single time. It's something we practice. We're on a journey. You come into the situation where someone betrays you, or they say the wrong thing, or they slight you on Facebook, and you go, I'll tell you right now, whenever you you go in the heat of the moment, not the best words are going to come out. But when you make an active choice to say, okay, I'm going I'm to just breathe for a minute. I'm going to take some time on this. I'm going to think this through. And then you realize, you know what? I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to let them go because I don't want to keep violence in circulation. I want to live resurrected life. I have a choice here to practice resurrection. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had anyone forgive you? And I'm talking about someone forgive you. And maybe it was something that you knew you did not deserve forgiveness. What does that do for you? Doesn't it just move you that that person would forgive you freely? That's what Jesus came to show us the Father's like. Jesus said, forgive as I've forgiven you. No strings attached. You love because I first loved you. So I believe that God is just He's the one who initiates. We simply respond to what he's already done. And forgiveness, I'm telling you, when someone's forgiven me in the past for something I didn't even feel worthy of being forgiven for, it does something. It moves me to the very fiber of my being saying, thank you. I didn't deserve this, but thank you for forgiving me. See, that's resurrection. That's living resurrection life. This is what makes a better world. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus, who I said earlier. He says this, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So can we get to the place where we can receive or absorb the betrayal, the hatred, and the violence, and overcome it with the most powerful force in the universe, love? Now, again, I don't want you to get me wrong. We're not putting ourselves out there on purpose to say, come take advantage of me. That doesn't make sense. But how many know that in life, someone will take advantage of you. Someone will betray you. Someone will will treat you wrong. They'll do something wrong. Will we, in those moments, make the choice to say, I'm bringing a little bit of heaven to this earth. I choose to forgive, release them, and release myself in this situation. Again, Jesus said, forgive others as I've forgiven you. Aren't you glad is, if you forgive people, then I'll forgive you." See, that was old commandment ideas. New commandments say, "I forgave you, so forgive others the same way. I've forgiven you. It's free of charge." The Apostle Paul writes in our final text today in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14, says, "We are ruled by the love of Christ." Other versions say we are compelled by the love of Christ. That word compel actually means this, to hold together. So it's saying we're literally held together in this union we have in Christ. It's his love. He says this, Now that we recognize that one man died for everyone, Which means that they all share in his death. He says, He died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but only for him who died and was raised to life for their sake. Verse 16, no longer then do we judge anyone by human standards. Now, some translations say, by the flesh. Okay, so, so no longer. I mean, remember that table. Everyone's welcome. No longer do we judge anyone by human standards. Even if one time we judged Christ according to human standards, we no longer do so. But look at verse 17. Anyone who has joined to Christ is a new being. The old is gone. The new has come. But do you believe it? I say this often, but you only walk in what you believe. Right? People say, do you believe, do you believe? Well, the thing is, everybody believes something. But what is it that you believe? And I'm asking this morning, do you believe in resurrected life? Do you believe that there's a new way of being human? Do you believe in this path of Jesus, which he, on purpose, absorbs the betrayal and the hatred and the violence and turns it around into love and the peace? Think about this, even the Caesars, One of their titles was Son of God. What do we call Jesus? Son of God. Caesar said, I've come to establish this this great reign of peace and prosperity. And Jesus says, by the prophets, I am the prince of peace. It's a different type of peace, isn't it? So what is resurrection all about? Is it simply about a man raising from the dead or does it go deeper? What if it's about living this transcendent life that brings lasting change to our world? Let's choose to live life through the power of resurrection. Let's choose to make different decisions when someone does wrong against us. Let's choose to be the one who extends forgiveness Immediately, It's going to take time. It's a journey. But can we at least try? Through the power of the resurrection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity this morning. To experience what it is to live resurrected life. Pray that these words today weren't just my opinion, Jesus. But your opinion on how you see the world how you see people I pray that we would get those eyes those same eyes for those around us that will we'll stop with the labels we'll stop with the segregation based on labels and colors of skin and, and, and life choices but we would say you know what we're brothers and sisters what can we unify on and then say Holy Spirit we leave it to you to deal with people in their lives now, sure, we call out social injustice, we call out racism, uh, we call out those things that aren't right but I pray we we get to a place where just like you Jesus, you would welcome everyone to your table you would hear their story and just one conversation with you, like the story of Zacchaeus, just one conversation and you stand up from the table and you say, salvation has come to this house today Because Zacchaeus went from a man who did his own thing, who stole from people, to someone who said, I will give everything back plus more, and I will give half of everything I have to the poor. I believe it was your love. I believe it was your grace. Your love always wins. It transcends anything in this natural world. And I pray this morning that we'll begin to experience what that's like. And we then would say yes to experiencing and living resurrected life. Now, if you're here this morning, it's your first time, you don't have to do this, but we like to just make a confession. Confession just means to say the same thing as to agree. And we really believe that God sees us as holy, pleasing, and acceptable, that we're sons and daughters, and so we like to confess that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to put your hand in your heart, this is just a moment. Just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness toward me. I trust you. And this morning, by an act of my will, I'm choosing to begin to live resurrected life. In those moments, Holy Spirit, where I have a chance to pay someone back, to seek retribution, I pray that I would stop, I would think it through, and I would choose to live resurrected life. I would extend forgiveness towards others, just as you have to me. I trust you, Jesus. You know me best. In Jesus' name. Everyone said. Amen. Isn't God good? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.